All right, we're going to talk tonight about the fight of your life. And no, Chris, it wasn't your wife that just walked in. Okay? This is a spiritual fight, not a physical fight. And uh, so what we're going to talk about tonight, uh, it affects me, uh, affects Sister Rose. Sister Rose is going to fight this fight. Carson's uh, the youngest. Who's the youngest? Who's the youngest person here? I'm pretty sure it's me. Zion, probably. It's nobody over there. Uh, Zion, yes. It, it'll affect Zion. It'll affect Zion. When he comes to a knowledge of his spiritual life, it's going to affect him. So we're going to talk about a fight that affects everybody. So everybody listen in, tune in. This is important. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 7. Isn't this nice having the coffee shop this close and just yeah. grab some coffee? Yeah. All right, Romans chapter 7. And uh, I'm going to read uh, verses 15 through 25, and that's just going to kind of anchor us into this thought as we go forward a little bit. So just kind of be mulling this over as I'm talking about it. Uh, now I'm going to read the New King James Version because this can get a little cryptic in the King James. I'll try to read it right so it's understandable. Uh, Romans, because Paul gets, even, even Peter said Paul can get a little tricky when he talks. Kind of hard to understand Paul sometimes. Alright, so I feel like I'm in good company because Peter said he had trouble with him too. Romans 7.15 Paul said, for what I am doing I do not understand. Paul started out by saying, sometimes I don't understand me. I don't get me. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I find myself doing. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. In other words, he says, even my conscience tells me that this is wrong. But now it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. We're going to talk about that. For I know that in me, that is... Everybody say these words with me. In my... Have I got your Bibles? Who doesn't have your Bible right now? Get next to somebody with a Bible. Okay, we're, we're in... Alright, we're going to catch up. Catch up here. Um, we are in verse 18. Alright? Verse 18. It says, For I know that in me, that is where? What's he talking about there? In my flesh, there dwell nothing good dwells. There dwelleth no good thing, King James says. For to will is present with me. I, it, it's there to do right. But how, and if you guys your Bible, underline this, scratch this down. How to perform what is good, I do not find. That's my struggle. How to perform what I already know is good, I can't seem to do that. For the good that I will to do, Paul repeats himself here, I, like every good preacher, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that's what I'm practicing. Now, he says it a third time. If I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So he finally gets to his point. He said it three times now. He finally gets to his point, And he says, I find a law. Here is something you can count on. Now he's not talking about Mosaic law. He's not talking about a spiritual law. He's talking about a natural law. 
that happens in his body, kind of like the laws of gravity, the laws of just, if this is reality is what he's saying. I find a law, a truth, that is always consistently the same. That evil is present with me. The one who wills to do good. He said, because here's the truth of me. And tell me if you can't find you know, this paradox in yourself. For I delight in the law of God according to, and here's a key word, key words here, the inward man. But I see another law in my members. Warring against the law of my mind. A reality of my body that comes against the reality of my mind. And here's what happens from time to time. He just described that whole struggle with us. He says, warring against the law of my mind, bringing, it brings me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Now he's talking about, he, he's referring to himself here. Okay? So, so this is somebody post-salvation. Now there's some argument theologically as people are saying Paul's really not talking about himself. He's talking about the struggle of other people. I personally think that Paul was talking about himself. I, I don't think that Paul was, was any more superhuman than I or you or anyone else. I think Paul was being painfully transparent here. All right, Take it or leave it, but that's what I think. He said, and I see in my body, in my flesh... Something warring against what has been settled in my mind, this inward man. And his, you can hear the frustration with this struggle in his voice. Even as you read this, oh, wretched man that I am. In so many words, and tell me if you've been there or not, I know I have. I am sick of myself. <laughs> Anybody ever been sick of yourself? I mean, you're tired. Of, he's tired of himself right now. Bishop is okay. So, so Paul gets to this place, and it's actually, I think, a very good place, very good place spiritually to be. It doesn't sound like it, but it really is. Where Paul says, "I'm just sick of me. I'm done with excuses. It's not." It's not theirs, his, it's not the dynamics, it's not the frustration, it's not, there's no excuse. Paul said, it's me, and I'm sick of me. So who will deliver me from this body of death? And, and thank God, he gives us a thank God, and, and says, here's what the answer is, and we're going to explore that answer. He says, in, very generally, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So in other words, he said, the work of Christ in me is the answer. Now, our title tonight, what's our title? Anybody remember our title? I just said it like three minutes ago. The fight, the fight of your life. Okay, there's hope for us all. The fight of your life. Now, that title is a play on words to a certain extent. I'm going to talk to you about the battle of your flesh tonight. And again, let's go back to what I said. That's me, that's you, that's Sister Rose, that's the Carson, that's the eldest to the youngest, the most experienced to the, 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 the greatest novice. And I call this the battle of your life because for two reasons. Number one, write this down if you want to. The battle of my flesh is the fight of my life because it's the biggest fight of my life. Right. Biggest fight of my life is not with people, <coughs> uh, circumstances, situations. It's not even with the devil or spiritual wickedness in high places. Right. My biggest challenge, my biggest fight, the fight of my life is with my flesh. Right. Okay? Okay. It's the battle of your life, the fight of your life, because it's the biggest one. And, then, and nothing affects you more, think about it, than your flesh. Nobody bothers you more than you. 
Nobody is with you and more consistent about fighting against you than you. Nobody challenges you more spiritually than you. So, it is the biggest battle, the biggest fight, because it's the, it's the biggest one that you face. The second reason why it's the fight of your life is because it, it, it's the longest one. Here's a depressing... Well, it shouldn't be. I, we're we're going to get out of that depression. If, if that depresses you, then just hold on because there's good news, all right? But I'm just telling you, it's not going to quit. If, if you beat it today, if you beat it today, when you get up in the morning, it's going to be there. Your flesh is going to be there. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but every time you wake up, it's still there. Okay? And I could have one... I could. Has anybody... I mean, just tell me. Has anybody just had a wonderful day or maybe it was a wonderful service and it was awesome and you were just like on spiritual waves of glory and then Monday or the next day or maybe even the next hour hit and then all of a sudden it's the fall from grace because it is the longest one. Here's the thing about your flesh. It's really persistent. And it comes again and again and again. Write this down. There's a war to win in your flesh every single day. Write it down. There's a war to win in your flesh, over your flesh, every single day. I don't care what atmosphere you put yourself in. I don't care if you come to the house of God every day. Surely, I'm just going to go to church every day. and I'm going to just spend my day worshiping. Okay, I'm going to go surround myself. You know, these, uh, uh, look at Angela back there. She's going to go to a Christian college where it's just nothing but Holy Ghost filled kids. She's not even going to, it's a wonderful atmosphere. But every single day, she's going to get up and she is going to fight the fight that I'm talking about tonight. Because it doesn't matter what, doesn't matter what the culture or the atmosphere is around you. What we're going to talk about is the atmosphere inside of you. And you can't escape it. There's a war to win every day. Now, before you get too far down, the fight very much, very well, can, uh, may and will get easier. If, if, if you're successful in waging this war, the enemy gets easier to beat. Can I get a witness in here? Amen. Come on, I need some... All right. Come on, help somebody right now. If you've had any spiritual success, would you say amen right now? It, it gets easier to be. Hopefully, there's a few of us at least in here that have, that have you know, got some success over some things in our flesh. That's not the problem that it used to be. Okay? Not that it's not a problem. It still tries to peek its head up everywhere, but, but, but it's not the problem it used to be. So the fight may get easier, the foe may get weaker, but the challenge will never go away. I hesitate to share this illustration, but I had a pastor, and I think I've shared it before in, in, in different contexts. He was talking about an 80-year-old man that came into his office and said, Pastor, I've got a problem I need you to help me with. So he came in and he said, sure, uh, Elder, what, what is it? And the man began to show him about how he was uh, addicted to pornography. And, and that pastor friend told me, he said, that's when I figured out this fight is never going to finish. I'm going to have to fight the fight of my flesh to the end of my days. Chances are, no matter what your age is, you're fighting something in your flesh. And, and, and it, is a, it is the greatest weakness you war against. You know, I, I think about Jesus when he, he, taught, he tied temptation 
and the flesh together. And, and, and he told his disciples, he said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. And then he gave us this principle. He said, the spirit is willing, but your problem is the flesh. Your problem is going to be your flesh. That's going to be your greatest struggle. He was talking to his disciples. These are, these are the, the, the hallmarks, the, the pillars of the church. And he says, here's what I'm going to tell you. Your biggest struggle is going to be with your flesh. Now, I know in context he was talking about that day staying in prayer. But that principle doesn't hold true. That's our largest problem. The flesh is weak. So when we talk about the flesh, a lot of times that is a... And I thought this might be a good place for discussion. I don't want to go too long because i got a lot to say. <laughs> but... For those that may not be a hundred percent, you know, that, that's kind of one of those church words, those those spiritual words. What do we really mean when we say when Paul's talking about flesh? And so I just just want some ideas. I'm gonna throw them down here just because I feel it writing makes me feel good. Okay? So so what what I mean, what, what's Paul talking about? What's the flesh? Somebody just anybody. Your own desire. Desire. Okay? Desires. Natural man. Natural man. Self. What else? Attitude. Ooh, attitude. Is attitude? Is there attitude in your flesh? Huh? Okay. All right. Carnal mind. Carnal. A carnal mind. Yeah, you definitely have a spiritual. We haven't got that side yet, but a carnal mind. Okay, what does that mean? That's also a very churchy word. What does that mean? For those that are on the podcast and may not know that, what does it mean to have a carnal mind? Natural man, natural thoughts, natural desires. It's the thought life that encompasses the attitudes of the natural man. Okay, so it's a thought life. But can I put thought life down? Yeah. Okay, it's uh, what do you mean by world? I heard world. Somebody said, did you say world again? World, what, is, what does that mean? Huh? Concerned more about the worldly than the spiritual. Okay, so, uh, yeah, a, a world uh, view. Yeah, of this world. Of this world. of this world, being of this world. Culture. Of or in the world. This is what we mean by flesh. The, world, the world's culture. About drives. Drive. Okay. Can involve, can I use the word also and add to it, passion? Passion, we're talking about the passion of, again, this is a key, these are the key phrase, phrase. <laughs> this is a key, key phrase, natural man, okay? All these are pointing towards this, all right? Anything else? Emotions. Emotions? Is that part of your flesh, emotions? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Spiritual emotions? Yes, you can be in love with God. You can feel that sense spiritually in your spirit, man. Yeah. Uh, you, you can love God. I do think that's... You love God with the emotions of your body. Uh, uh, let, let me think on that. Let me think on that. Okay? What else? But but uh, would you agree emotions are definitely yeah, natural? Good. Okay. All right. All right. What else? Anybody else? Anything else? Is this pretty good? Not too bad. Does that give everybody a great idea what we're talking about tonight? You know what? The freedom is the big word, and freedom will do what you feel. Okay, so a yeah, free will. So a 
freedom or will yeah. to do all this stuff? Well, the will of the flesh and the will of, the, of God are two different things. Sister Jill, if you keep still in my study, <laughs> I'm teasing, I'm poking at you. I'm poking at you. And I also want to poke at Bishop. He's been trying to preach for a couple weeks now, so he's getting his... Okay, so let's start here. I want everybody to understand what we're talking about. Paul uses this phrase, um, if you do a word study, you won't find it in the King James, you'll find it in other translations. But he uses this phrase that I think encompasses all that, and this is just my opinion. He calls it his lower nature. And I think this is what you're getting to, Sister Jill. We have a higher nature, okay, over here. We have a new nature. New man, new nature, okay? And, and it has a new way of thinking, new, you know, all of that. And I agree with that. But, but I want to talk about this because this is what Paul said is my struggle. My struggle is my fight against this lower nature, Okay? So, if you did, if you just looked and, and did just a pure definition off the uh, New Testament Greek word that primarily is used for flesh when you see it written in the Bible, here's what it would say. It would say the body, the human nature, with all its physical and moral frailties and passions. Okay? So, that's just kind of a summary. Uh, Paul says lower nature, but it's, it's all that is the worst about us. All right? I, I, I wrote this down. The flesh is all that is in my natural existence, body and mind. My natural existence. And again, with all its frailties. Now, here's, here's what's tough. The Bible says your flesh is working. It's working. It's doing works. Look at your neighbor and say, your flesh is trying to do works. In Galatians 5 and 19, Paul talks about this. He says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And, and then he goes on this long laundry list, and, and I know most of you sit here and say, well, I'm not doing that, but just you know, hold on. Uh, he, he says, uh, adultery, uh, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, false doctrine." Envians, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and, and the such like, and things like it. Of the which I tell you before, I, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in the time past, that they which do, everybody say do, do, do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. These are the works of the flesh. They are things the flesh does. Now, I want to be very careful here. But I've noticed a trend lately, and more than I've been hearing a lot about this, people, I believe, erroneously attach a spiritual connection with what Paul said was a natural work. Okay? So, in other words, have you ever heard people say, well, that, you know, heard the term spirit of lust or spirit of impurity? It seems that especially with sexual sins, people try to spiritualize what Paul said was a natural work that is resident in the lower nature of your flesh. Now, I'm not here to argue whether it can or can't be. I'm just saying that when Paul went to look at all these things that he said were readily observable, that you can see, he said they're works. Everybody say works, works. of the flesh. 
In fact, I'll, I find it kind of funny. You know what I've never heard? I've never had people say, oh, that, that guy's got a spirit of selfishness because that would hit way too many people. That would hit way too many people. Applies to way too many people. Right? Paul said, now the works of the flesh are manifest. In other words, uh, in fact, the Amplified, uh, it translates it this way. The doings, the practices of the flesh are clear and obvious. And then he goes on to list all these things. Paul said, that's what's fighting me. Right? And, he, and that was not meant to be an all-inclusive list. Right? Because I mean, we could probably add to that. You want to do that? Let's add, let's add yours to the list. Anybody want to add yours to the list tonight? A little t- testimony time? Confession? I'm kidding. All right? But that list goes on and on and on and on. Paul said, and such like. And then he said, I want to remind you. You practice that stuff. You're the, the guy that does that is not going to see the kingdom of God. Not going to inherit. I don't want to, I might want to quote that right. Not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul's description, description of this contest between lower nature and new nature and higher nature. Paul said, I'm sick of myself because of my struggle with this conflict. And he describes this contest also in, in Galatians 5 and 17. He says, For the flesh, again, same word there, the flesh lusteth, or another word there is wars or drives or contends against the Spirit. And then here's a part that actually is good news. The Spirit contends against the flesh. So a lot of times when people talk about the war of the flesh inside, they think, well, it's just the, the, the flesh fighting against the Spirit. Well, listen, the good news is the Holy Ghost will fight against your flesh too if you'll let it. Paul said this conflict is coming from both ways. Right? The Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. So, And then here's, here's the struggle. Here's the frustration. So that you cannot do the things that you would. Paul says the desires of your flesh are opposed to the Holy Ghost inside of you. And the desires of the Spirit are opposed to that godless human nature, that lower nature that, it, that is in your body. They're antagonistic against each other and they're constantly withstanding and in conflict with each other. So, and here's the end result. You're not free, but you're prevented to do, from doing what you desire to do in the new nature. All right? That's a conflict. Everybody say, that's a conflict. So that's why Paul says, I don't understand myself at all. I'm frustrated. What I really want to do, I want to do what's right, but I, I don't feel like I can. I do what I don't want to do, and I hate it. And I know perfectly well what I'm doing is wrong, and my bad conscience proves that I agree with the laws that I'm breaking. But I can't seem to help myself, because, and he comes to this revelation, I'm no longer doing it, And this is important to grasp. Paul said, it is the sin inside me that has become stronger than I am that makes me do these evil things. Now I want you to understand, Paul's talking about, remember where we end up. He says, what's the answer? The answer is Jesus Christ. Paul's talking about his inability to fight against his flesh. His. Everybody say his. Paul said, I can't help myself by myself. That makes sense? So he's frustrated with those. I, I know that I am rotten through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't, here's key words, make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. 
When I want to do good, I don't. When I try to do wrong, I do it anyway. If I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's plain where the trouble is. Sin has me in its evil grasp. I'm not allowing the Spirit, and I'm getting ahead of myself, to enable me, to supernaturally, spiritually enable me to fight a fight that I am not equipped to fight on my own. Somebody said, I need the help of the Holy Ghost. Okay, That's why people get frustrated. Because they're trying to fight a, against a, a foe that is bigger than them. Paul said, this sin is greater than I am. Here, let me put it this way. If you could have saved yourself, you didn't need Jesus. If you could have beat all this stuff by yourself, you didn't need salvation. The cross was in vain. Paul said we didn't need a resurrection. We didn't need any of it. If I don't need a resurrection and a Savior, then I don't need all this. But we do. So why is it that we think that we're going to overcome this flesh ourselves? With our ideas. Our mind. Stubborn. Oh, let's write that down. Let's write that down. In blue. In blue. In blue. Stubborn. Oh, that's good. As the yes, as the sin of witchcraft, right? Rebellion. So there Paul says there's something deep within me in my lower nature, my flesh, that is at war with my mind. If I say the fight. And it makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me, still in my members, still in this body, in my mind, in my inward man, this nature. I want to be God's willing servant. But instead, I find myself enslaved to sin. So, you see how it is, Paul concludes. My new life tells me to do right. But my old nature that is still inside me loves to sin. Would you admit that about yourself right now? My flesh loves to sin. It's pretty happy. I was preaching a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you remember, but I talked to you about it and I was saying, you know, we're, we're so, Christianity is so stuck on being happy and having their desires filled. And we have somehow decided that that equates, that must be what God wants. But you know what? There, I, my flesh is never happy when God has what He wants. And so we get stuck on emotions. I got to feel happy. For, for that to be truth. I, I've got to feel good about it for that to be right. And that's the farthest thing from a lot of truth because your flesh doesn't want to be right. In fact, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but the Scripture tells us the carnal mind, Bruce talking about the carnal mind, your thought life, your natural thought life, it is hatred, enmity against God. So what is the answer? You see how it is. My new life tells me to do right. My old nature, I still love to sin. Oh, Paul says, what a terrible predicament I am in. Who will free me from the slavery to this deadly, and listen to what he says, deadly lower nature. Thank God. It has been done. Another translation says, it's been done. Thank God Jesus Christ is there and He'll do it. But it really means, thank God, it has been done. By Jesus Christ our Lord. He has set me free. So here is the key here. And I'm just going to write this down in blue here. Right? The mat... Uh, okay. I'm going to be in front of that. It doesn't matter. The mastery... Of... Your... Let's see if I get this right. I wrote this down. I want to make sure. Human side. 
The mastery of your human side, and by mastery I mean the rulership, is a, watch this, work of the Spirit. Now for all of you that are sitting there saying, Duh, Pastor. Okay? Great. I'm so glad you've got that. But I think this is a huge problem for most people. And they treat conquering the flesh like some sort of self-help Tony Robbins garbage. That if I just think the right thoughts, you know, hang around with the right people, have the right influences, that it all just pan out, right? No, let me tell you what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to let the Spirit do its work. Just like the flesh is trying to work, guess what? The Spirit is too. It's trying to work on you. It's trying to change you. It's trying to give you the overcoming power that you need to overcome yourself because it's the fight of your life. It's the most important fight. It's the biggest fight. It's the longest fight. It's the fight that if you don't win, no other fight matters. Do you hear what I said? No other fight matters. So I'm fighting devils, spirituals, and wickedness in high places. But your flesh is out of whack? Who cares? That was like, who cares? Your flesh is out of control. I already got you. You're right where you're right where I want you to be. Okay? Everybody say, this is the fight. This is the fight that I must win. Galatians 5 and 24. And they that are Christ. Now here's what we can do. This is a spiritual work. This is what God gives you the power to do. They have crucified the flesh with the affections, with its affections. And lusts. So they that are Christ, they that are spirit-filled, okay? Paul's talking about post-salvation. The Holy Ghost gives you the power. You can. Everybody say, I can. I can can crucify the affections and lusts of my flesh through the power of the Holy Ghost. He goes on and, and shows us this. If we live in the Spirit, okay? If we have new life in the Spirit... A new nature, new man. If we live in the Spirit, then let's walk in that Spirit. Let's let's live out the actions of our life in that Spirit. Another translation said, if we live in the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with it. Amplified says, if we live by the Holy Spirit, let us also walk in by the Holy Spirit. If by the Holy Spirit we have our life in God, let us go forward walking in line, our conduct, keyword here, controlled by the Spirit. So ask yourself a question. All day today, how much did the Holy Ghost control me? How much did the Holy Ghost control my conduct? The words. That came out of my mouth. The the attitudes. Not enough. The thoughts. Not enough. And that could everybody say amen to that. <laughs> amen to that. Not enough. So, um, another translation. I like this one too. It says, if we're living now by the Holy Spirit's power, let's follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Every part. And here's the promise that we have if if we go down that road and begin to try to do that and find that success. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill 
the lust of the flesh. That's good news to me. That's good to me. Because you know what that sounds like, Brother Bruce? That sounds kind of automatic. That, that, that doesn't sound like two things to do. That sounds like one thing to do. That sounds like if I walk in the Spirit, it takes care of this. Okay? If, if the Spirit, if I allow the Spirit to control me, then I stay out of a lot of trouble. Oh, come on somebody right now. Right, how many of you got in trouble with your mouth, your words, your actions, or whatever, because you didn't even consider what God had to say about what was going on? Right? We've all been there. But the promise is, when we do the, the, uh, the flip side of that coin, that it kind of takes care of all that. You circumvent a lot of this lower nature. It stays on the cross. You know, I, I've talked a lot of times about, you know, we're, talked to, we're supposed to give our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable in God. We're one of the few sacrifices that keeps trying to get up off the altar after it's been <laughs> sacrificed. Amen? You ever have to, like, get back down on there? Anybody? Right? But the promise is, if we walk after spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And you'll have spiritual results. The, um, the Spirit does... None of this probably makes any sense to me more. I just keep just doing stuff. Okay? The, the Spirit does work. Everybody say, the Spirit works in me. And it gets results. Right? The Spirit gets results. So, and, and Paul outlines those. He just got done talking. You know, just like the flesh got work, the Spirit's got works too. It's got fruit. It's got results. It, it's not... You know, it's love, joy, peace, that's not the Holy Ghost. It's the, it's the uh, result. It's the fruit of the Holy Ghost. And, and some of those are emotions. Sister Jill, I'm not fighting you on that. I love you. I love you. not fighting you on that. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. These, these are results of what the work of God does. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control for crying out loud. Paul said, I can't control myself. Well, Paul, I'm not one to preach to you, but just let me tell you what the Word says. If you walk in the Spirit, didn't you just say that? <laughs> Give you self-control. This is the fight of your life. And it is, the, it is a daily decision to allow the Holy Ghost to dominate, consume your thoughts, your desires, your actions, and your words. What I'm this fight I'm teaching about tonight is a it's a daily crucifixion, a daily crucifixion that puts your flesh, your lower nature, as Paul called it, on a cross to die every single day. When I pray in the morning, I've got this. I, I'm 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 a picture guy. When you anybody else, when you read, you you develop pictures in your mind about what you're reading, like especially like a novel. I mean, do you kind of know? You've already like built the room that they're talking about in your mind, your imagination, right? So I, when I read the Bible, I, I, I do it's the same way. Anybody else like me? When, when, when I pray in the morning and I start talking about, you know, making myself a sacrifice, I, I envision myself, just my, my body on a, on a rock somewhere, you know, as a, as a sacrifice before the Lord. Uh, so... So we need that daily crucifixion. I, I pray a prayer, Lord, put me back on that altar this morning. I am not going to get up this morning and assume that I'm still there. Amen? Everybody say daily. Daily, daily crucifixion. Now, uh, so let's talk about practically how we defeat this flesh and how the Spirit works through us to do that. First of all, uh, write this down. A learning spirit, a learning spirit 
defeats the flesh. And when I say spirit, that's a small s. It's an attitude. I'm going to say it's a spiritual one. Hallelujah. Praise God. A learning spirit. Spiritual <laughs> attitude defeats the flesh. Proverbs 1. It is so important to learn. I, uh, this is, was more of a business concept that I read this week. It was in a leadership book. But I, I immediately mapped it over to, to my own spiritual life. And uh, the, the whole thing was uh, how to know that you're waning as a leader. That was the whole talk. That was the whole thing. And one of the points is you stop learning. And you want to be the teacher and not the student. So they say in business, you, you, you have as a, a leader, when you get to the place where you think, basically, you know it all. Okay? We need to have an attitude of learning in order to defeat our flesh. Proverbs 1, 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The beginning. Okay? So if you have reverence towards God, that's just the beginning of knowledge. There's a whole lot more knowledge out there that God wants to... Wants to give, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 4 tells us take fast, fast hold, firm grip of instruction. Let her, I don't know why it calls a woman, that kind of bothers me, but it does, it calls her a woman. It says, let her not go, keep her. Everybody say, instruction is a keeper. Okay, he says, keep her, for she is thy life. Proverbs 15 tells us, He that refuses instruction, listen to this, despises his own soul. But he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. Translation, my dad said it this way when I was young, you don't listen, you gotta feel. Amen. Anybody else? Did your dad tell you that? Or is that just in the Nave household? Anybody else ever been told that? Oh, wow, Dad. You, I may, that may be your quote. I don't know. I may have made that up. And so when I talk about this spirit of learning, I, I, want, I want you to understand this is not a desire just for things to be right, but more so a desire to do right things. Do you see the difference? Well, I want things to be right. No, I, what I want to do is do right things things. And then yes, the results come. Jesus told us this. He said, take my yoke upon you. And what? then what? Learn. learn. Jesus told me to learn. Jesus said, you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to go through circumstances, steps, situations, life, travesties, life success. All that. You're going to have to learn of me. And then he described, he said, I'm meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest in your souls for my yoke is easy and my, burning is, uh, my burden is light. Learning is pretty unpopular at its core. And let me tell you why it can be so unpopular because it involves change. Anything worth learning usually involves change. And even more so instruction and correction. And Proverbs 15 says, Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. Instruction, to me, instruction and correction comes in two forms. comes two times in your life, I guess, if you say no. It, it, instruction and correction comes in that moment where you find out something you did not know. It's the first time. Okay, it's the first time. I, I didn't know that. Okay, I just, I, you literally, you learned it. It's new information, right? 
That, that's the first type of instruction. The second type of instruction, the second time in line that comes, is finding out what you did know, but you ain't been doing. I'm sorry? Are you calling you instructions I didn't know it and correction is... No, no, no. Correction and instruction I'm using together. So for correction and instruction, I'm saying those show up at two times in your life. First of all, in a time where you literally find out, I just learned this new. I didn't know it. Okay? I, I, I didn't realize it. For instance, a new convert finds out, you know what, I need to stop cussing. Or I need to stop lying. Let's do that. Okay? You need to stop lying. Oh, that's a lie. I've read that in the Bible. I didn't realize that was such a big deal to God. Okay, I'm going to stop doing that. Okay? It's new. Right? But then five years down the road, he's still lying. Or he lies again. And now somebody has to give him instruction. Or the Lord. Or in prayer. And now it's finding out what you did know, but you did do it. I knew not to do that, but here I am doing it. I read a quote, uh, and you've heard this before. Those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it. So learning the lesson of God working on our flesh. We need to have a spirit that is honest. Listen to these words. That is honest and serious about killing cycles of defeat in your life. That is honest and serious. Here's what I can tell you that you know about your flesh. You know, you've been to places in your flesh and you know what the result's going to be. You, you, you've been in situations, circumstances, uh, arguments, um, uh, uh, decisions, and you know where those decisions... Anybody ever made a mistake? No. <laughs> okay? Once or twice? <laughs> right? Now here's the question. Did you make it again? Anybody ever made it more than once? Yeah. Anybody ever made it a whole bunch of times? Okay? We need to have a spirit that is honest and serious about killing those cycles of defeat in our life. Instead of an attitude that says, just make the now better, Lord. The problem with that is, it's going to come back again and again. Just fix. Fix the damage. Fix the damage. And, and really, that's not what God's wanting. The work of the spirit is to fix the problem. Not just the damage. Does that make sense? Because the flesh is going to come back again and again and again and again until it's dealt with, crucified, and put under the foot of Jesus. James said this, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally. God's not up there saying, "Ah, I'm not going to show you how to do this. God said, I've got all the wisdom, all the knowledge, all the instruction you need if you'll let the Spirit work instead of the flesh. A learning spirit defeats the flesh. The second one, there's maybe others, but I'm going to tell you, talk to you about two tonight, is a doing spirit defeats the flesh. Because you can learn a concept, but if you never apply the concept, well then what good is the concept? Quoting the Bible like a Bible quizzer does not do it. Denouncing all the things that you read in Scripture and know God doesn't like doesn't do it embracing intellectually all the truth of God's Word and saying it's right, it's right, it's right, it's right, this is right. The world is full of people that say God is right. But they're not doing anything God's saying to do. You can talk about it. You can even plan on it. Man, I'm going to get myself... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to put the... But doing gets the job done. 
Everyone wants to go to the mountain, but nobody wants to climb. Right? Just put me on the top, Lord. <laughs> but doing is a climb. This is the work of the Spirit is a climb. There's doing involved. You've got to apply. Now, there's two times in your life when doing is absolutely imperative. And this kind of goes along with those other two I just talked about. The first time that you absolutely got to make sure you do is the first time you find out what to do. When you find out this is what I should do, you should do it, and you should do it then. If you find out, you know what, I got to cut this off of my... You should do it, and you should do it right then. James 4 and 17 says, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, he said, it's sin. It's sin. If, if you know what you're supposed to do and you won't do it, you say, oh, I can't. No, let's just be honest. You won't do it? Well, tell me you got the Holy Ghost and you can't. Those two things don't go together. Anybody hear me? Right. Don't tell me you can't. The Holy Ghost is that you either don't have it or you've got it and you're not using it. So, it is sin. And then the second time that is absolutely imperative for you to do is when you've been doing it a long time. In other words, keep on doing it. Look at somebody next to your table and say, if you're doing right, keep on doing it. Don't stop. Don't stop. And don't tell me, why, why are you saying this, Pastor? Well, I, I look at what Paul said in the first part of Galatians 5. The whole reason he's here is he's looking at this church and he said, you did run well. You were doing great. What happened? What, what, what good that tells me? That you can lack consistency. So if you're doing good thing, keep on doing it. You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Who got in the way? What, what philosophy got in the way? What person got in the way? What attitude got in the way? What decision got away? What part of your lower nature got in the way? James 1 and 22 says, Be ye, you know this one, right? Doers of the word and not hearers only. Because if, if all you do is hear, you show up and you hear. You listen to Pastor and I. You listen on Sunday. You, I don't care if you listen to every podcast of every godly preacher 24-7. If you don't do, it does not matter. And Paul said, you're just deceiving yourself. Isn't it telling that James says there's more to do in God's Word than not to do? But he, he didn't say, hey, be you not doers of the world. Right? He said, be doers of the word. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. He beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgiveth what manner of man he was. And isn't that the cycle of the flesh that I'm talking about tonight? I've been here before. I get straightened out. I go to church. The pastor straightened me out. Or, or I get in prayer and God straightens me out. I get in the Word and, and that straightens me out. But then as soon as I get away from Him, because I'm not doing, I'm faced with the same death, sinly, lower nature, fleshly cycles that I've been before. I've been here again and again and again and again. You're not doing. He's in a cycle. I see it. I know it. But I'm doing something else. You know what James says? Two-word advice here. You ready? And it's, it's implied. You're not going to find it in here. But I'm telling you, I can feel the spirit of James when he's writing this right here. You ready? Here it goes. Get ready to write this down. Get your pens ready. Stop it! 
James says, get your Holy Ghost on and stop it. Cut it out. Pretty simple, right? He said, stop knowing so much and doing so little. He said, I can't, Pastor. I can't. Well, then you're just not spiritually, you're, you're not scripturally correct. I'm just telling you, those two words, Holy Ghost and can't, don't go together. It's just not spiritually correct. You stop pinching her, she won't do that. <laughs> and now, I'm going to read to you, uh, again, you know, he, we stopped at, at I think it's 7, I can't remember the last verse, the 7th chapter of Romans, and, and that was the answer. Paul said, here's the answer, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Another translation said, through Christ Jesus it has been done, He has set me free. If you go on and read in chapter 8, Paul flushes this out. And he and I'm going to read from the Living Bible just because I like the way it words it. I've compared them both. I promise you I'm not misleading you. Okay, this is more English than it is uh, old English. And so that's why I'm using it. I think it says it very well. It says, For the power of the life-giving Spirit of the Holy Ghost, and this power is mine through Christ Jesus. He has freed me from the vicious circle of sin and death. We aren't saved from sin's grasp by knowing the commandments of God because we can't and don't keep them. But God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent His own Son in a human body like ours and, and accept that ours are sinful and destroyed sin's control over us by giving Himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Everybody say, God put Himself in flesh. And He went to Calvary and he lived as a man, and the Bible is careful to tell us, without sin. Okay? That's what Calvary did for us. It bought us the ability to no longer be obligated to sin ruling in our bodies. So now, verse 4, we can obey God's laws if we follow after the Holy Spirit and no longer obey the old evil nature within us. Those who let themselves be controlled by their lower natures live only to please themselves. But those who follow after the Holy Spirit find themselves doing those things that please God. Following after the Holy Spirit leads to life and peace. Somebody say amen. amen. But following after the old nature leads to death. Somebody say amen. amen. Because the old sinful nature within us is against God. It never did obey God's laws. And here's a news flash: it never will. That's why those that are shown in the control of their own sinful selves, bent on following their own old desires, can never please God. But here's what I love. Paul says, but you're not like that. Look at somebody. I know I'm making you say a lot of things tonight. Look at somebody and say, you're not like that. You are controlled by your new nature. And you have the Spirit of God living in you. You don't have to do this. And remember that if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ living in him, he's not a Christian at all. That's what Paul said. You've got a new nature. You need to understand, this is a spirit thing to overcome this natural thing. It's the fight of your life that happens every day. It's the biggest fight you'll ever be in. And it's going to happen every day. And it's going to be the longest fight you're going to be in. And no other fight is going to matter if you don't get this one right. 
In fact, I would tell you, forget every other fight. Forget every other effort. And get your flesh under control. Man, will that preach or not? Will that apply or not? I've found myself in circumstances, conversations, whatever. You call it whatever you want. And finally realize, here's the problem. This is not in control of what's coming out of my mouth right now. It's not in control of these emotions. It's not in control of these thoughts. It's not in control. So what I got to do? I got to go with Jesus. I got to watch Him pray. I got to go watch Him pray. Because I know this flesh is weak. There's a lot of things that, that I think work against you. Sins, thoughts, doubts. You just need to remember, and you've heard it before, the devil's a liar. You got to take the devil and your flesh, because a lot of times they try to tandem and team up against you. You got to take them back to the altar. If you got to walk to the baptismal tank where you got baptized, okay, and say, all oh, that old man went down in that water. And a new man, go back to the place where God filled you with the Holy Ghost. A new man was born right here. Because the battle of this life is the very biggest one. Nothing affects you more. Nothing's with you more. Nothing challenges you more. The battle that I'm talking about tonight is the longest one. Because there's a war to win every day. The fight may get easier. Your foe may get weaker. But the challenge never goes away. Paul said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank God it has been done. He he goes on to say, and I end with this in Romans 8 and 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you'll die. But if through the Spirit you do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. I love how the Living Bible says this. You have no obligations whatsoever to your old sinful nature. Did you hear what I said? You have no obligations to that anymore. It's been released by Calvary. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me right now? Lord, we need your help, God. Because we all face the very same battle. We all face the very same struggle. And that is the flesh of our bodies, our minds, our lower nature. God, this this thing that you have conquered by your Spirit. Lord, teach us, God, to possess these vessels. God, in sanctification and holiness towards you. We pray, Lord Jesus, that our minds would be covered. Help us, Lord, to do the actions, to do the necessary. Walk through the process, Lord, day in and day out of submitting our bodies and our minds and ourselves to the work of the Holy Ghost, the new nature that's inside. It is so readily available to us, Lord. Help us not to ignore it. Help us, Lord Jesus, not to set it aside. I pray, Lord, in your name, that your spirit would control the conduct of your people. In the name of Jesus, help us, Lord, day in, day out, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.